Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today. With Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at the Yoga Hour at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Good morning and welcome to the Yoga Hour, a time to open our hearts and minds to the infinite. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo sitting in for Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien while she's away. And today we're going to be talking, as we do on the Yoga Hour, about yoga in its broadest sense. Not merely a system of stretching or exercise, but really a, a wider system, including philosophy and practice for spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. And my guest today is... Estelle Frankel, our topic is embracing the unknown. How do we develop the courage and faith to welcome the unknown? And are there specific practices that can help us to face uncertainty with with grace? Today, we'll be discussing how walking into the heart of mystery can be a starting point for adventure, creativity, and transformation. And as I mentioned, my guest today is Estelle Frankel, a practicing psychotherapist, spiritual advisor, storyteller, and teacher of Jewish mysticism. She has taught Jewish studies for over 40 years in both academic and religious settings. She's an author of two books, Sacred Therapy, Jewish Spiritual Teaching on Emotional Health and Inner Wholeness, which is on the intersection of Kabbalah and depth psychology, and then most recently, The Wisdom of Not Knowing, Discovering a Life of Wonder by Embracing Uncertainty, which is the book we're going to be talking about today. Estelle has a private practice in Albany, California. You can find out more about her work at her website, EstelleFrankel.com, that's E-S-T-E-L-L. E-F-R-A-N-K-E-L.com, EstelleFrankel.com. So welcome, Estelle Frankel. I'm so delighted you could join me today on the Yoga Hour. 
nice to be here. <laughs> Before we begin our dialogue about embracing the unknown, let's start with a moment of meditation. Oh. Let's begin by taking this moment to bring ourselves fully present in the now, the now, the moment of becoming. We can begin by taking a fully conscious breath, just noticing as we inhale and exhale. Not trying to change the natural rhythm of our breathing, but just noticing its natural flow. Cool air entering the nostrils and warm air flowing out. Each inhale, we can dive within. And each exhale, we can relax. In this moment, as we dive within, can open our heart to the essence at the core of our being. This one reality, called by many names, is the support and substance of all that is. Right where we are, right here, and right now, this divine essence is present as you, as me, as everyone and everything. It's within us, between us, and all around us. Just by being present and noticing We can rest in this essence of our being. From this place of inner peace, we can notice as thoughts and feelings may arise, and we can watch them as they pass away. We become aware of our essential nature beyond words, beyond thoughts, beyond all change. Pure existence being. We feel the peace that emanates from this essence of our being and allow it to pervade the mental field, the emotional nature, and the physical body. We abide in this peace and let it overflow as blessing for all beings everywhere. Frankel, once again, welcome to the Yoga Hour. Thank you for having me. 
I'm really enjoying your new book, The Wisdom of Not Knowing, Discovering a Life of Wonder by Embracing Uncertainty. And I enjoyed, at the beginning, I enjoyed reading about your own story and how you went from someone who loved to hitchhike, sounds like you were very adventuresome when you were younger, to what you describe as an Olympic gold medal worrier after you became a mother. And it's remarkable that someone whom her friends once described as the mistress of catastrophic expectations came to write a book about embracing uncertainty. So what inspired you to write the book, and particularly at this time? Well, um, there's always a seed for a book, and it's watered by many different streams, you might say. So there's definitely an autobiographical piece in the way that authors write the book that they need to read. Mm. I definitely, when I hit middle age, the adventurousness of my youth seemed to vanish, and I became a person who worried a lot. I don't appear to be anxious, but I worry. And this worry clued me into the fact that there's something about the unknown that's unsettling. Worry Mm -hmm. is about the future. It's uh, trying to predict what's going to happen and filling in the blanks with all that could go wrong rather than resting in the faith that, you know, we don't know. Could be good, could be bad, but let's Mm -hmm. wait and see. So that was just like one stream. And then there was... The poetry that I was reading, there was my study of psychoanalysis and reading Wilfred Bion, which I could talk about if if you're interested. And of course, Kabbalah, like uh, yoga, is very rooted in the non-dual and in resting in the mystery and not knowing. So I'd like to say that they're octaves to the Mm -hmm. book and to not knowing there's the fear, the lower octave. And at Mm. the highest end, the highest octave is this awe instead of fear, awe before the mystery. So Mm. all of that captured, captures my imagination. Mm. Yeah, I love that uh, description of the octaves. I think that's, uh, that really captures it. So, in the book, you describe both the positive and negative characteristics of the unknown, and I'll give a quote here. The unknown is the very same gate that unlocks not only what we fear, but also the great mystery that can inspire us and give our lives depth, which you just were mentioning. So, But most people are more familiar when they think about the unknown, perhaps, with fear. And maybe have not thought about the more positive aspects of of the unknown. So would you describe some of the positive aspects of the unknown more fully for us? Well, the unknown is truthfully our growing edge. And Mm -hmm. we only grow when we step out of our box and um, stand on shaky ground, on something new and unknown and alive for us. So... Everybody has to deal with unknowns, and that's how we grow our souls. Mm -hmm. But like I said, there is this lower end of fear of um, people want to stay safe, and this has evolutionary value. Our fear of the unknown kept our ancestors, uh, our caveman ancestors, safe. 
you see this in babies uh, who have stranger anxiety that we cling right. to the known. There's something in us, but there's also a thrust toward adventure, and mm-hmm. some people have a greater measure of that. And part of the adventure of life is opening up to mystery. To um, you, just look up at at the heavens, and you think about you know the expanding universe in which we live and the hundreds of millions of galaxies. And the mind shuts down. It just, it's mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. That's that high end of not knowing where thoughts yeah. and thinking stop. Yes, as um, part of a, a program, an online program that Yogacharya O'Brien uh, has uh, created, it's called Dharma 365. Anyway, the, one of the beginning practices is to get up before dawn and to notice that period of time, you know, when we're really going from night you know, into day and just watching that. And so I, as part of uh, doing that for for 40 days was the practice. And anyway, I I just really loved that, you know, that, that moment and, and, obviously saw some really beautiful sunrises that I normally was not, Mm -hmm. you know, would not Mm -hmm. get up for. And that is, um, it just reminds me of that quality of the miraculous, you know, that, um, that amazing, you know, beauty, unexpected beauty that's just, you know, boom, it's just right there. It can take right. your breath away. It does. Yeah. And, and human beings all have this um, facial expression when they're awestruck, where their jaw drops and their eyes rise and there's that face of awe and the, and yes. the mind stops. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I think just about everybody can relate to that in some way, you know, whether it's something beautiful that they've seen in nature or, you know, being around uh, a baby. Um, and for you, you talk about mindfulness in the in the uh, book. And I know that's been a practice for you and one that I touched on, you know, a bit in the meditation. Yes. So what role has mindfulness played for you in recognizing more of the miraculous that lies behind the everyday yeah. Well, you know, we we have our mental schema that all the familiar activities we do that allow us to organize our experience, but it kind of shuts down. It narrows the aperture of our lens. So, you know, we we can function. But in the moment of mindfulness, the lens opens up wider and you actually see and taste and smell, the senses come alive, you slow down and you're present. And I Mm -hmm. felt that during your beautiful meditation, which took me right into the place of not knowing. Mm -hmm. So mindfulness is really the key to experiencing and tasting life in its essence, Mm -hmm. the mystery of it. Mm -hmm. So the more yeah. mindfulness we can bring into the everyday, the more alive we are. And mm. there's the known and the unknown coexist. They're, they're intertwined, and everything familiar is also a great mystery. Mm. Yes, and being able to, to, uh, to see that is so often that... that um everydayness helps us just to, you know, as you said, tune out and... A lot of it, I know there's an evolutionary, you know, perspective on that as well, that, you know, we, um, you know, there are times when we have to pull ourselves away, but it can really, um, 
take the life out of us, you know, and then bringing more mindfulness into our into our day into our life, being able to see that miraculous quality is is uh, really a gift. So, um, in your own journey to welcome the unknown, you describe setting your intention to relearn the art of faith, of trusting in life's many possibilities. Um, and I can definitely see that as an essential component in in uh, welcoming the unknown. Is that is that faith? So, but but how how is that helpful for us? Well, in the moment when you can't think your way through things, you need faith. And I'm not talking about any kind of orthodox religious faith, but trust in the experience of not knowing. So you're waiting for something to happen. You want to hear if you got into a college or your child got into a kindergarten. And there's all this uncertainty, and you can fill in those blanks with worry. And I'm very skilled at that, but I've learned it's useless and it's burning fuel. You know, while I'm standing still, I've got my foot on the gas pedal. So faith is is stepping back and saying, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to trust that it'll be okay, mm-hmm. and I don't need to fill in the blanks, and and I don't need to go into the future. Let me stay in this present moment of not knowing. So we build muscle around bearing uncertainty. That's really mm-hmm. what it's about. Mm-hmm. People who've been traumatized <clears throat> often have trouble resting with uncertainty. Because there's trauma there. So, you know, you you see anxiety and worry going on. Yes, and I, of course, when one reads a book, you know, that's an opportunity for us to really reflect on this. That's one of the things I've really been enjoying about, you know, your book is just seeing how, you know, we do obviously love and welcome that static quality, but it is static. (laughs) And if there's not that growing edge you know, of change, of this ability to, um, to, uh, um, uh, transform ourselves, you know, to become, mm-hmm. to become, right. not just to, not just to, you know, kind of be who we are, but to become something. There's a, there's a, uh, a sterileness, you know, that, that, uh, you know, enters right. in. Right, yeah. and the older we get, the more conservative we get, and that was part of my confession at, in the preface, is that I was the most adventurous woman in back in the 60s and 70s, but that as I got older and more responsible, I became more conservative and more fearful of the unknown, and so we have to retrain ourselves, we have to let it be okay to take risks, and you know, try new things as we get right. older. And it does, I, I liked your description of building that muscle, that muscle of, of being able to bear uncertainty, because it is something that does get better, that, or that at least right. can, yeah, you know, get better as you practice right. it. Right, yeah. and it's really the courage muscle that we're building yeah. as we learn to bear uncertainty, and you only develop courage by facing fear, by being uncomfortable, by stepping out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about faith. 
about um, the ability to, you know, bear the unknown and building it up gradually. And then curiosity. You describe curiosity yeah, sure. as, as another way to remain open to the uncertainty of the unknown. And, and in general, I think uh, people are aware that, that we start out pretty curious, pretty darn curious yeah, when we're young. The constant question of toddlers is why. I remember that with my kids. Everything was why. And yet many of us lose our curiosity due to maybe the fear of being wrong or looking foolish. So how can we reclaim or cultivate our curiosity? Well, it's really learning the art of questioning, of inquiry, and even the things we know or we think we know to remain curious. If Mm -hmm. any good scientist, any great scientist is is filled with curiosity and always asking questions. So to not be embarrassed, to admit you don't know. Mm-hmm. And even if you know, hold it lightly and be curious about what else there is to learn. Mm-hmm. And you have to learn to ask questions skillfully. There's an art to inquiry. And sometimes people come into therapy with a question, but it's really not a good question. It's kind of a woe is me or why did the, you know, why does this always happen to me? And right. It's not a question that would allow. Yeah. It's not a yeah. question that would allow, would allow growth. You know, woe is me. You know, why did this happen to me? That's not for <laughs> that's me. Not, right. That's right. Right. Yeah. And so a good question opens up a quest. That's the meaning of a question. You yeah. have a quest. Okay. It sets you on a journey. Yeah. And you yeah, marinate I, in your good question. You have a good question, marinate. It's, don't yes. rush to find the answer. Yeah. Fit in the question. Yeah. One of the practices that you talk about, I, I forget what chapter, but you talk about, you know, having a question, you know, in the beginning of a day, you know, having a question mm-hmm. for the day and, uh, you know, seeing what develops along that. And then in, in uh, spiritual inquiry, you talked about um, it's a process of asking ever deeper questions and then yeah. uh, alternating those questions then with listening which I thought was, it's it's so great to point to that. You know, if you already know whatever it is, you're not really listening. You know, you're not really right. open to seeing something new about, you know, whatever it is that you're contemplating. And so if you can find that edge of something, even something that's known, um, it can be very revealing. Right, and and that listening is just being silent. Mm-hmm. And admitting you don't know. Oh, wow. Just the question. Sometimes the question itself is its own answer. And <laughs> it's not about shutting down the inquiry by answering the question. It's just the question is its own answer, its own beauty. Mm-hmm. So, um, as we've talked about, um, the unknown and the fear of the unknown. You do talk in the book about practices that you recommend to help deal with that anxiety and fear that can be related to uncertainty. So let's talk about that for a few minutes. So um, what uh, what types of things do you recommend that can help us build that muscle, that ability to bear uncertainty and to, um, to uh, relax around our fear of the unknown? 
Well, I think the first step is just becoming aware that you are anxious and that the anxiety you feel is because of uncertainty. Some people are just anxious and they pop a pill or they avoid all those things that frighten them. So it's first just understanding I'm not in the present moment. My fear is that I'm filling in the blanks. Everything is actually fine right here, right now, this moment. So you learn to uh, calm down by being present as we were in, in your meditation, just coming into the present moment. And you do that again and again throughout the day. You come back to that place of faith, trust, stillness. Um, but then there's the building of the muscle that happens only when you make yourself uncomfortable when you step <laughs> outside your box and you're in free fall. And I, I use the, the analogy of a parachute, though I've never parachuted. I've seen people parachute. Mm -hmm. And if you pull the string too soon, it's very dangerous. You can get swept off, you know, swept off to the side. You have to go into a free fall and pull, wait to pull the parachute. So there, those moments of stepping into the unknown, trying on a new identity, uh, entering uncertainty, where you feel like you're in free fall and you just say, I'm in free fall. I don't know. Mm -hmm. it's, and you have faith. And then mm -hmm. you grow. So, you know, I think it's just about continually trying new things, stepping out of your box, recognizing this makes me anxious, but hanging in there. Mm -hmm. One of the other exercises that you talk about is to write down a goal that you have that something that maybe you're interested in that you haven't taken any action on, on doing it on, I think you said like a little, like a three by five card and then breaking the first few steps down, you know, what might you do to uh, right, explore, right. explore this further? You know, so what's the first thing you could do? You could go online right. and, you know, you could look it up. You could see if there's a class, right. those kinds of things. I, I thought that was um, a useful way to get over that that uh, inertia right. that sets in um, it's hard to figure out the first step and oftentimes exactly. we just sit back and and not take any action just because uh, we're overwhelmed by that inertia so right. breaking well, it down to that we, small first right. step we can't see the path and people when they're afraid don't want to uh, venture out unless they can see the path. But the path right. is created by the walking, by taking mm -hmm. up the steps. You mm -hmm. know, like that poem by Antonio Machado that he says, Wanderer, your footsteps are the path and nothing yes. else. So mm -hmm. the path is made by walking. So you want to be a musician and you you can't imagine how you're going to get there. So you have to break it up into steps. You know, you have to pick an instrument. Right. Maybe you go you go to the store and you rent it, and you find a teacher and you take a lesson. You know, there's steps that you can br break your goal down into, and that's less scary. Mm hmm. So, how about 
anxious thoughts, ways of working with anxious thoughts. Any tips there? Mm-hmm. Well, again, mindfulness is just to notice and, and label, oh, that's an anxious thought. And to to see that you are filling in the blanks of uncertainty with um, a prediction. An anxious thought is really just a prediction. And it's not that all anxious thoughts are bad. Sometimes our brains that are wired to predict are going to save us from grave danger. So some anxious thoughts are useful. Some of my worrying has saved people from great harm. So I wouldn't eliminate entirely, but there's unnecessary ruminative anxious thoughts where you think the same thought over and over again. Right. Not gonna, you just want to label it, come back to the present moment, I'm okay right now, and, and stay there, breathe, mm. notice the breath. Yeah, it's a wonderful tool that is always with us. We never forget to bring it. We never forget to bring our breath with us. Right. So, so you're listening to the Yoga Hour with special guest Estelle Frankel, who is a practicing psychotherapist, spiritual advisor, storyteller, and teacher of Jewish mysticism. She's the author of the book we're discussing today, The Wisdom of Not Knowing, Discovering a Life of Wonder by Embracing Uncertainty. You can find out more about Estelle and her work at her website, Estelle Frankel. Com, and the Frankel is F-R-A-N-K-E-L dot com. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. So Estelle, I appreciated that you included the importance of creating white space in our lives in your book. And uh, in Hatha yoga practice, I always value the time at the end of yoga practice that is spent in the final relaxation pose or mm-hmm. Shavasana. And it allows all of the activity of the class, all of the kind of different, you know, positions, postures that we've been in, it allows them to be integrated. And to me, it's just as important as the rest of the practice. But in our culture, uh, the emphasis is on going, go, 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 do, do, do. <laughs> and it's really easy not to leave any time at all for being. So uh, how do you, let's start with white space. How do you define white space? Well, white space is actually the ground of being and all that Speaking, doing, movement is happening. It's foreground. It's happening on top of that background. Mm-hmm. So you have the concept of white space from graphic design, but it's true in music. The space between notes is really where the music is happening. And you have it in, as a speaker, as a storyteller, the, the pregnant pause the silence before the punchline. There's the art of leaving white space. Leaves people time, like you said, in yoga to kind of assimilate and integrate. And that goes on in teaching and storytelling. And you're right that this culture overweights the the doing over the being. And often it's the talking over the silence. Right. And yeah, like in, in the therapy hour, allowing white space is really important, which is the silence, the not knowing. Right. I don't know what the client's going to talk about, and I'm not going to 
rush in with a question because I'm anxious about silence, right. we're going to marinate in silence and let something unknown be revealed. Mm. That's really beautiful. So how can we incorporate more of this white space into our lives? Uh, I'm desperately seeking the answer <laughs> to that question. You know, I wrote this, it's so, such an irony, I wrote this book. out of, And while I was writing it, I was basking in white space. And then, then the book gets published and my life gets kind of hijacked into the fast lane. <laughs> so, you know, we're torn. We, you know, our... Our careers and our families, and and life is so interesting. There's so much out there to devour. So, right. but I go on retreat. You know, my husband and I go into nature. Mm. We take long hikes every weekend, si- silently in nature, and that for me is the white space I need on a weekly mm-hmm. basis. And I have the Sabbath, a day of rest. When mm-hmm. we unplug from all our right. devices, yes. that's a great liberation. Turn your phone off, for God's sake. Don't check <laughs> right. your email the minute you wake up, unless you're going to be on a radio show. <laughs> 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 yes. But we have, it, it, there's a current taking us downstream that is overwhelmingly overstimulating, and we have to push back in order to have white space. So that's my feel here yes i i I like the um you know the emphasis on on nature because i do think that's such a wonderful experience for us and it's so easy to just um be separate from us you know stay in the house stay in the office you know only in fact i used to drive to work i'd leave the house i'd be in the open air for what you know like a minute while i walked to my car and then once i got to work it was an underground garage you know so so i didn't even didn't even get like underground i know and then have to take the elevator up and it was just inside you know for the rest of the day so to take that that time to take that little few minutes perhaps at a break or lunch break and and go on a walk uh get outside and and just there's a um it's a wonderful uh reminder of can be a wonderful reminder of of being present uh, because you can notice you know when you're on your walk what sights sounds you know smells what what's happening uh, out in the world, and I love seeing birds, right. and listening to bird right. calls, uh, right. spontaneous. You're talking, yeah. you're talking about the sensual experience of nature, and the mind shuts down in the presence of that sensual experience. So that's a kind of not knowing when thoughts and thinking stop, and you're in your, no. you come to your senses. Exactly. So the other thing that you talked about, or excuse me, many other things, but one of them uh, that I really loved was the emphasis on creativity. And you begin that chapter with a quote by Eric Fromm, creativity requires the courage to let go of certainties. And I, and I just love that. And I, I hadn't really reflected or contemplated the association with, with uh, cre- of creativity with the unknown, which when you say it, it sounds totally silly. Obviously, if you're creating something, it's something that, you know, necessarily doesn't exist, right? And mm-hmm. you're bringing it in, so it's coming, you know, from the unknown. But I hadn't really reflected on that. And yeah. um, in, 
in your book, you state the creative process often involves a blend of grace and grit, of effortless receptivity, followed by sustained effort, which again, I just thought, you really nailed something there because, you know, there is this marriage of being open, but then, you know, doing something like potentially with that, you know, with uh, creativity. So what, what can we do to encourage creative inspiration? Um, well, you definitely want to get out of the left brain, you, out of the judging mind, because to create something, you, you, you don't know what you're going to create. And being in thoughts and thinking will interfere with the flow of uh, inspiration, of that grace, that moment of uh, the gift of a creative spark which seems to come out of nothingness, out of emptiness, out of not knowing. Mm-hmm. So for, for me, when I want to create, um, whether it's in the realm of writing or art or music, I, I first empty my mind, and it could be a walk in the woods or a meditation or just doing something that's not left brain. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll go cook. And while I'm cooking, things will come to me that are, and I'll run and I'll write them down. So, yes. Oh, so there's that. And just that, yeah, that those ahead. moments, I was just going to say, like, in the shower. Because isn't that the classic right. thing? You exactly. know, it's like you're in the shower, and, you know, that's that, that white space of being <laughs> in the shower. Um, and particularly if, you know, you can let go of whatever it was you were doing before and whatever you're getting ready to do. Um, but that's when the creative spark comes, right? Right, right. And poets will often talk about how a poem will come to them at an inopportune moment and they'll get really angry at the muse. (laughs) Wait a minute, I can't write it down right now. Um, And there's studies in creativity that talk about uh, contemplating a paradox or the absurd, reading a Kafkaesque tale can open up creative uh, processes because it stretches the mind beyond the confines of conceptual thought. When you're Mm -hmm. contemplating a paradox, um, you have to find a larger truth that encompasses two opposites. So the mind expands. So those are are a few things I talk about, and and of course there's more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, lovely. So we've already touched a little bit on spiritual inquiry, but I wanted to return there. And in the book, you actually describe two of the key practices of Kriya Yoga, which are inquiry of the nature of consciousness, self-inquiry, and also surrender. And you state that uh, spiritual evolution takes place, which we've already, we just mentioned this, by the way. So spiritual evolution takes place through inquiry by meditating on increasingly complex questions. And that spiritual inquiry takes takes us beyond the limits of our current level of understanding. In other words, of course, to the unknown. And, and the unknown, of mm-hmm. course, is, is part of, you know, most, mm-hmm. um, the, the mystery is, is uh, acknowledged in most uh, spiritual traditions. Um, so this is another of the positive aspects of letting go of the unknown uh, to create a space through which we can understand ourselves and the world in entirely new ways. So let's talk about uh, talk about that yeah. aspect. 
Yeah, well, as we evolve, our questions evolve with us. And in Kabbalah, as you approach the um, higher levels of consciousness that the Kabbalists called this Firot, like divinity is the oneness, but that oneness manifests in multiplicity. Mm-hmm. And creation is happening um, moment by moment as a flow of this infinite oneness, this source, through these luminous Sifi uh, wrote these uh, energy patterns, and the the highest level on the tree of life, the cosmic tree of life, is called Ain or Keter. Ain means divine nothingness. It's the mm-hmm. place of not knowing. Sometimes it's called Keter, which means crown, because as the crown sits above the head, it's beyond thought. And from there, the divine energy flows into Chokhmah, which is wisdom. So it's the same as Sophia. Mm-hmm. And the Hebrew word Chokhmah is really a composite of the words Koachmah, the power of what. So inquiry at the highest level, this uh, first of the ten Sisi wrote, these questions are just questions of what? Mm. And it's the what of the jaw-dropping awe and wonder. Like, what? Wow. It's more like wow than what. <laughs> yeah. But in, in Zen Buddhism, there's a similar um, a Zen koan that is just, what is this? Yes. And saying that about everything. Like, mm-hmm. what is this? Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. next fira, so there's wisdom and then there's bina, which is understanding. And it's more the feminine uh, understanding things and the relationship among the parts. It's a, it's a different level of, you take wisdom, you know, the inspiration, that spark of uh, intuition. And it comes into bina. And in relation to bina, the question is always who? Mm. Who? And Abraham in the Bible awakens by asking who, who created all this? It's a relational who, who is the source? Yes, that's interesting. Yeah, I was going to say it's interesting. Yeah, no, it's interesting to uh, hear some of the um, similar, um, you know, uh, concepts just phrased in a different yeah. way, you know, from, you know, from yoga philosophy, um, as well. Um, you know, as you mentioned at the beginning, they're both, you know, um, mystic, well, they're mystical paths, and you mentioned they're both non-dual, you know, paths. And as, um, you know, uh, has been described, it's the one truth known by many names. So these are just some yeah. different names, you know, of that. So how do you experience surrender as supporting spiritual inquiry? Well, Yeah, for me, surrender, surrender of the thinking mind, of the ego, surrender of what I already know, um, surrender of my um, attachments to how I want things to be, uh, surrender of my worries, and just resting in that space of I don't know. And I, I, I joke with my Jewish friends that Adonai sounds a lot like Adonai, which is one of God's <laughs> names. It's how we speak to God. 
I love that. when (laughs) When we say, I don't know, I'm opening up a God space, a place yeah. where revelation, and, you know, you see this in the Bible story of Jacob, when he leaves the known, he leaves his home, and he goes into exile, running from his brother Esau, who wants to kill him, and he goes to sleep, and he has the dream of the angels going up and down the ladder, and when he wakes, he says, uh, uh, oh my God, God is in this very place, and I did not know. He, yeah. he, he finds God in the space of not knowing. That, that's really, that's beautiful. I like that image, you know, of uh, Jacob's ladder. Um, the surrender that you've talked, that you're talking about is exactly the same, you know, in yoga. I mean, it's really surrender yeah. of our, of our separate self, um, surrender yeah. of the, you know, the ego, you know, self and that question about who am I? Or as Ray Eugene Davis, uh, Yogacharya O'Brien's teacher, you know, like he was just talking about this, uh, recently, um, instead of who am I? Because then you get into, you know, I, your roles. You know, I'm a, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, you know, I'm a doctor, whatever. Um, but what am I? You know, that's, yeah. uh, you know, these are, these are wonderful yeah. questions, you know, for, for reflection. So, yeah. um, and then there's the, the via negativa that in the same way that we do, cannot know God, we can only know what God is not. God is not a body. God is not many things. You know, we can do that with ourselves. And that's not who am I? Who am I not? I'm not mm. just my body. I'm not just right. my thoughts. Yeah. Pure awareness. Yeah. No, that, that I'm not my body, I just, I think that's so funny because, well, if, if I'm my body, well, which body am I? Am I, was, I was a child in that body and I was a teenager and a young, which body was it? <laughs> so it's right. like, no, it can't be because that's changing a lot, you know. Every time I look in the mirror, I realize how much it's changed. Yes. <laughs> and I'm with you there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, we've talked a little bit about courage. Uh, courage, and you say in the book, courage is the quality that enables us to overcome our fear as we venture into the unknown. So, what leads to the development of that courage? Well, I think I mentioned earlier that you, some people are born more brave than others. But for those of us who are not naturally courageous, you build the courage muscle by um, acting despite fear, by uh, taking those steps that frighten you. And each time you do something that frightens you, you're a little more courageous. And then there are these quiet braveries that the poet Mark Nepo talks about, the quiet braveries of endurance, of just going through a difficult experience yes, um, and not running away or, or holding to your values. Sometimes just being who you are despite disapproval from parents and, and friends, just being your true self is courage. Mm-hmm. And even death and illness give us courage. Just going through the ordeals of suffering and bearing uh, the, the experiences of, of living in a body, it gives us courage. So you don't have to run into a, a building on fire to have courage, you know, to save right. a dog. You can just greet the next moment with an open heart, whatever the next moment is bringing to you, and 
my experience is that every day there's some special delivery package of challenges at my doorstep, <laughs> something I'm going to have to endure. That's right. And it's okay if I yeah. greet it, and that's courage, to not run mm. away from what is. Mm. That's beautiful. So one of the other places that embracing uncertainty can help us is in our relationships. And yeah. we already talked a little bit about this, about, you know, there are the, there's the known part of the people that are in our lives, the known part, you know, of those, the ones we love, but then leaving room for the unknown can be really mm-hmm. helpful. So how to knowledge and then keeping room for the element of mystery combined. Yeah to support us in our loving relationships? Well, um, we talked about how familiarity can delude us into thinking we know. And you live with a partner or you have your long-term friendships and you think you know these people. And some of that knowing creates closeness and trust and that's good. But if it's not balanced also with a sense of the mystery, you don't allow people the space to unfold their unknown self. And Mm. one of the things I see a lot in long-term relationships and even in my own marriage is that we tend to fill in the blanks of what our partner is saying or doing and we we can predict. Mm -hmm. And then in those moments where we don't let people finish their sentence, we interrupt what might be brand new. We we don't mm-hmm. allow them to surprise us. Mm-hmm. So not knowing, uh, seeing the mystery in the person we know so well is a way of loving others deeply. Mm-hmm. And it's a way of honoring that we also are unknown mysteries, unimaginably uh, mysterious, and that we can astonish each other from mm. time to time. And that's not mm. to say we aren't also predictable. <laughs> We're both. <laughs> right. Yeah. So as, as knowing... Was, yeah, go on. I was just going to say, you said that so beautifully, you know, the ability, leaving room for us to uh, astonish each other. That's just really beautiful. Yeah. And every once in a while, our partners will do that. Yeah. And, you know, life, life changes. We change. As he said, our bodies change. And... Uh, people have to keep adapting so we don't know who they are becoming. Right. And well, in, in Jewish in Jewish thought, God's name is a verb. The English word mm-hmm. God is very static kind of mm-hmm. thing. God is God. But in Hebrew, the name of God, yud heh vav that gets mispronounced as Yahweh, uh, is, it's a verb. It's the mm. verb to be, conjugated, past, present, and future. It's all of mm. being. Mm. So just as God Lovely. is becoming, God is a verb, we are becoming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Estelle this has been such a wonderful conversation. We only have another minute or so, um, and I want to give you the last word. So in closing, what words of encouragement or inspiration would you like to leave with our listeners? Oh, well, maybe a poem uh, could say. Mm. Let's offer you some words from T.S. Eliot. In order to arrive at what you do not know, 
you must go by the way which is the way of ignorance. In order to possess what you do not possess, you must go by the way of dispossession. In order to arrive at what you are not, you must go through the way in which you are not. And what you do not know is the only thing you know. And what you own is what you do not own. And where mm. you are is where you are not. Hmm. Wow. Very rich. Very worthy of contemplation. That sounds beautiful. Thank you. You've been listening to the Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya O'Brien, and we've been discussing embracing the uncertainty of life and how that helps us to live with joy, peace, and acceptance with our special guest, Estelle Frankel. You can find out more about Estelle Frankel at estellefrankel.com. And Estelle is the author of the book we've been talking about today, The Wisdom of Not Knowing, Discovering a Life of Wonder by Embracing Uncertainty. Once again, Estelle Frankel, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Laurel, for having me. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Join us next week for an encore program from April 16th, 2015, with a conversation with James Fox, author of The Prison Yoga Project, A Path for Healing and Recovery. And we had a lovely conversation about the many ways that yoga contributes to our freedom. For those listening in March 2018, it's not too late to join the class that Yogacharya O'Brien just started a few days ago. It's a four-week course called Get Centered, Awake, Aware, Abundant Living. And it's going to continue for the next three Tuesday evenings from 7 to 9 p.m. The course is available in person in San Jose, California, or online at csecenter.org. You can check the website for more information and to register. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. Again, the website, csecenter.org. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast at iTunes or Stitcher, and if you're enjoying it, share it. Tell a friend about it. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team, regular host, founder, and director of the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya O'Brien, assistant producers Ann Hayes and Sean Smith, and always Jeff Comfort in the sound booth at unity.fm. I look forward to being with you again while Yogacharya O'Brien is away. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org.
Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, shows you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week you'll learn about the latest on the vegan life. It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Guests will range from unity ministers to vegan authors, activists, physicians, chefs, and even some of those glittery celebs. There'll be recipes, ideas, tips for going vegan at your own pace, and ways to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time for Main Street Vegan, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Have you heard the quote, dream lofty dreams, and as you dream, so shall you become? Your vision is the promise of what you shall one day be. Do you have a dream that you put on the shelf because it seemed too good to be true for you or out of reach? I hope you'll consider resurrecting that dream because you'll never really be happy until you at least try. The great visionary Walt Disney once said, All of our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. At Unity, we believe that you have the power within you to realize your dreams by applying the proven spiritual principles we share. You will learn how to become the joyous, dynamic, fulfilled person you're meant to be. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. The benefits of spiritually conscious living start now. For a time-tested method to live with purpose and release your infinite potential, tune in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Be sure to grab the latest issue of Unity Magazine and read the interview with Ram Das, the iconic spiritual leader of the 60s. He's now focused on how to age consciously. Spiritual author Thomas Moore reflects on grumpy old men and women. And Barbara Bowen writes a touching story about her experience as a caregiver to her mother with dementia. To subscribe to Unity Magazine, go to unity.org and click on Publications. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. 